0: The Ferrari 458 Italia. That that is a sweet machine. I, there's so many videos. I can do this series for like a year. It, it's awesome. You're like, maybe if you're visiting, you're like, what? Well, I don't get it. What does a Ferrari have to do with dating or 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 uh, any of this stuff? What does it have to do with um, church or relationships? We've been uh, just using the Ferrari as as our uh, example. Because, you know, realize if you were a vehicle, you would be a Ferrari. You would be. Just look at the person next to you and go, man, I didn't realize I was sitting next to a Ferrari. No, no, come on, do it. Do it. I'm watching. (laughs) You know what, though? A lot of times I think we need to realize that. We need to realize and see that there's incredible value, incredible potential, very unique, uh, handcrafted, quality sitting next to you you and we got to believe that about ourselves as well that that we are ferraris and god wants us to have ferrari level relationships he doesn't want you to have like you know minivan or you know hoopty little falling apart piece of junker car relationships he says when you look at it he wants it to look like uh some of that some of that video can you describe your marriage or you know dating relationships like as it as incredible sensational, astonishing, beyond anything, thanks to the guys from BBC and Top Gear for that, but you know, marriage is supposed to be this amazing thing, it really is, God's, he's designed marriage to be this this thing that looks like his relationship with us, and that relationship with God and us is supposed to be pretty, pretty amazing stuff, when we're not experiencing that, we're missing out on something, you know, and and, and we talked about it uh, before that, you know, marriage is supposed to look like that, But most of the time, it doesn't. Most of the time, uh, it it actually is the opposite. We talked about that before. If the intersection over here, 50% of the cars that went through that intersection crashed, would you still go through it? Probably not. But when we say that 50% of marriages crash and burn, would you still do it? Yeah, a lot of people still do it. The second, you know, people get married for for the the second time and want to have a redo. 72% of those marriages fail. 85% 85% of third-time marriages end up in the ditch. Because, you know what, we're not getting better just by experience. We're not learning uh, how to do this thing called spouse selection right. And so that's why we're talking about it. You know, there's all kinds of dating websites, there's experts, there's, there's shows, there's, there's all kinds of things out there, movies, songs, and yet, with all of that, we still have these kind of relationships, relational wreckage. And then the Bible comes along. This amazing, amazing book comes along and we've been looking at it as a recall notice to our defective dating habits. The way we do dating, the Bible's putting out a recall saying, hey, you know what, there's a defective part in the way you're doing dating and we want to we wanna try and help fix that. You know, if you get a recall notice, it'd be crazy for us not to go and get a vehicle fixed. If they say, hey, we want to fix this part, you could hurt yourself and others, just bring the part and we'll fix it. We'd be crazy not to. Well, this right here is the manual for life. This is the Ferrari manual. You want, the, you want relationships to like be going on all cylinders? You want your marriage to be firing on all cylinders? This book, and we're finding that out in very unique ways, actually has the keys to make that kind of stuff happen. So... You know, many of you, I get lots of, actually get, get lots of feedback on this series, probably more than any other. Last week as I left here, I had somebody say to me, hey, do you have life insurance when you're preaching messages like that? And I was like, um, yeah, but most, most of the other people really, really like it. And they're like, I like it, I loved it, you know, I laughed a lot, it's been pretty good. I want to challenge you with the next four words to not let the next four words become your testimony. Like, laugh, love, lemon. James, Chapter 122 says this, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. Somebody needs their daddy. Um, Don't don't just listen to what it says. Do what it says. Otherwise, you're going to be sitting here and maybe five years from now, we'll have this conversation saying, yeah, Mark, I remember the series. I liked it. I loved it. I laughed a lot. And I still married a lemon. You don't want to be that person. So you need to do what it says. If you don't do what it says, you're gonna end up still making mistakes. Like, hey, at least I was there for it. That's not quite good enough. And we've defined dating as everything that you do and don't do before you say, I do. Some of the defective dating habits we already talked about. Number one, the worst thing people do is they fail to check out who's driving the Ferrari that they're interested in. They don't find out if Jesus is actually controlling that life or not. Then we talked about the joy ride mentality, where they don't wait until they have a license to date. They just start dating way too young. So we talked about that. Uh, Then we also talked about the showroom mentality, where we just check out a few features, and they don't actually get the essence of the whole car. Dangerous, dangerous, dumb, dumb, dumb stuff. Uh, those are on the last couple of weeks. You can get those on CD. Just ask for them. They're worth hearing. Some people here have gotten disheartened by hearing some of this stuff and going, Man, I look back and I've done it all wrong. Now I'm stuck. You know, and so they, they, they feel like, Now what do I do? How do I go into the future when I'm sort of already done everything wrong? I want to remind you that if you look at any vehicle, the windshield is much bigger than the rearview mirror. And it's the same with our lives. God's got a future still that's bright for you. Still got a huge, amazing future for you that uh, if we begin to do things His way, it's still going to turn out right. It might not be as right as it could have been, but it can still be right if we'll keep looking out the windshield. But too many people drive and look in the rearview mirror. They're like, you know, and and you look in the rearview mirror, you look at your past, you're going to end up in the ditch again. We don't learn, just learn from the past. We already showed that that doesn't work. We learn from this. We deal with the past. Look at the past failures and relationships and things like that. Look at the toxic things. But don't get stuck in that everything that's behind you has to determine everything ahead of you. Even Apostle Paul, the guy who murdered all kinds of people and then went on to write most of the New Testament, live by this. He says, I forget what's behind me and I press on to what's ahead. I want to win this race. So I want to challenge you with that as well. Maybe you feel like, hey, my relationships are in big trouble. Challenge you to say, hey, let's, I'm going to look at the past. I'm going to deal with the stuff as I need to, but I believe in God still for a great future. Parents and grandparents, you might think, hey, I'm already married, but this is as much for you as it is for our singles. The greatest thing you can do is help your kids find Christ. The next greatest thing you can do is help them to figure out how to find the right person to marry and spend the rest of their lives with. And the way they do that is they watch you. They're watching you drive. They're watching how, you, you know, if you're letting Jesus drive, they're watching how you do things. You know, it's weird, but there's parents who say things like this. Well, I'm just going to let my children decide for themselves, you know, about marriage and about religion and, and about sex. I'm going to let them decide for themselves. Are we nuts? Our, our kids need our help figuring these things out. You, you don't go and say to your kids, hey, I'm just going to let you decide if you want to clean your room today. I'm just going to let you decide if you feel like going to school today. No, we, we don't do that. We're toilet training Lincoln right now. Boy, oh boy, what a fun fun event that is. But we're toilet training him, and, and the first day he comes up and says, we, we try to get all the cool underwear. Cowboy underwear, Lightning McQueen, you know, we're, we're getting cool stuff for him. And we said to him, Lincoln, you know, let's, we're, we're toilet training, you're a big boy. And he said, Dad, I would rather wear my diaper than underwear. And I'm like, kid, if you can formulate a sentence like that, you're way too old to be wearing the diaper. I'm going to help you make a decision you're going to thank me for later. And he will when he's 21 and on a date and realizing, you know, oh, sorry, honey, we got, we got to go back. Dad is going to change my diaper. You know, he's going he's gonna to be thankful that somebody stepped in and said, hey, I'm going to help you make a better decision in life. Your kids will do the same thing when it comes to relationships. Tell them, teach them Help them, but that takes work. I know, but it's worth it. Remind your kids as they're growing up that they are a Ferrari. Let them know how amazing they are, how valuable they are. Too often we don't say enough of these things. And guess what? They all have that void on the inside that I want somebody to like me, I want somebody to love me. There's a need that begins forming there. But if they can find that need filled in Jesus... They're not going to try and fill it with a boyfriend. If dads, if you take your your daughters on dates and begin to to meet that that, that emotional and, and relationship needs as it's in its early stages, they'll learn how to pick a right guy down the road. Your kids will marry someone like you. They'll communicate like you. They'll reconcile like you. They'll consider and go to church like you. They'll handle money like you. They're watching you. So important. Defective daters... Uh, do some different things. We talked about last week about two kinds of love mentioned in the Bible. There's eros love. That's like the hormone, chemical-driven, you know, jump in the back seat of the car, vroom, vroom, kind of love. It's fun. But there's another kind of love mentioned in the Bible as well. It's called agape. It's about commitment. It's about being un- uh, loving, unconditional, faithful, the God kind of love. And you need both in marriage. You need that vroom, vroom attraction, but you need something else as well. And that's that commitment type of love. And you need them in the right order. That's where so many times people build their dating relationships on the vroom vroom and end up in the ditch once that wears off. We talked about that. You get the CD from last week. But defective daters turn into defective maters. (laughs) Here's another thing that defective daters and defective maters do. Number four on our list Defective daters fail to look for the junk in the trunk. And I'm not, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Junk in the trunk. You know, have you opened up the trunk and have you started talking about the baggage that people have? Like, oh, come on, man. She's so hot. Like, she's, it doesn't really matter. I just. She's just amazing. But you know what? She's, uh, she's traveled guillotina. And maybe you're thinking, you know, oh, He's, you know, he might have some issues, but he's rich. And being rich, that makes up for a lot, doesn't it, ladies? <laughs> but, you know, you might think, oh, he, you know, I don't know. I just really like this guy. He's got the moods like Jagger. But he's Mr. Sam's Knight, Sam. And so what we're saying is everybody's got some kind of baggage that they're carrying around with them. And you want to figure that out before you get married. You don't want to have to find out after the fact. Everyone has baggage. That's not the issue. Have you talked about it? Because you know what? Too many people, they jump in the back seat before they check out the trunk. They they have sex before they get married. And then once they do that, they they never want to leave the back seat. So they never get around to checking that out until, you know nine, 12 months into marriage. But you wanna open some of these bags and take a look at what's inside. Number one bag you wanna open is the family bag. The family bag holds so much uh, weight and power in people's lives. It does. It's where self-esteem was formed in their family. Values, character, the way that they communicate was formed with this, with this bag. You start asking questions. Did this person come from a divorced home? Because they're going to think about marriage a certain way. Do they have overbearing parents? Is he still a mama's boy? Is he an only child? You want to talk about this stuff. Is he one of those people who's going to feed the in-laws all the information about your marriage? And then you're going to have a miserable life with them too. Are they running away from their family, and that's why they're marrying you? You want to talk about this stuff beforehand so you know what you got yourself into after the fog clears off the windows, and you look out and go like, Whoa! Who are these people? What did I marry into? Talk about that stuff before. Number two, the temperament bag. Find out how this person is wired. How do they just naturally, normally think? Because that doesn't change. You know, at first, she's like, oh, she's so spontaneous. I just love her so much. I never know what she's going to do. She's just so fun, 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 fun. And then after you get married a little while down the road, you're like, oh, she drives me crazy. She is so irresponsible. I never know what she's going to say. I never know when she's going to embarrass me. I never know what she's going to spend. She's always late for everything and it begins to drive you nuts. But if you had figured out that's the way she was wired before you married her, it's a whole lot easier to live with that later. How is she wired? The guys, oh, he's so organized, I just love it. He's so orderly, he takes charge. He's goal-oriented and he works really hard. I I just love that about him. And then after married, it's like it drives you nuts because everything is on a schedule. You're like, come on! We've got to schedule romance? We've got to make love 2.3 times a week? Come on! Where's the creativity? <laughs> everything is in order. He takes control now becomes, it's all about him. He controls everything. His way or the highway. He works so hard, turns into, all he does is work, work, work. And then for fun, he works. This is so boring. How is he wired? Because too often we don't figure that out beforehand and then we hate it after. We talked about that opposites attract and then they attack. You want to know what's in that bag. Third one, the conflict bag. And it's a big one. And it's full of lots of little ones. The conflict bag. How does this person fight? We don't fight. We love each other. We're so in love. People in love don't fight. How do they handle conflict? Because here's a wake-up call for you. Every single marriage has conflict. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen? Amen. And most marriages have the same kinds of conflict. They fight about the same kind of things. How does that person handle conflict? Maybe they handle it terrorist style. They come out... Guns blazing, they're blowing up everything. One little thing happens, and boom! <laughs> you did, what you left the gap off the toothpaste? Unbelievable for them. Their way of thinking in conflict is that the loudest guy wins. Uh huh. The loudest guy wins. That's not a very fun, fun way to, to fight but maybe that's the way they're wired. And if that's the way it's, it's gonna be, you wanna know that beforehand. Maybe they handle it Hewitt style. They just give you the silent treatment, the cold shoulder, they just ice you out. You know, it's like, honey, what's wrong? Nothing. No, 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 really, I can tell by your face. I must have said or done something stupid. What's wrong? Nothing. Okay, good, I'm glad it's nothing. You idiot, of course it's something. Okay, what is it? Nothing. I'm fine. Really? Fine. Just don't talk to me. Fine. When she says she's fine, that means you're an idiot if you believe it. But what if they deal with that? What happens when those two people marry each other? How are you? Fine. No, you're not! No, you're not! Guess what? Most conflicts don't get resolved that way. Maybe it's Tupperware style, the way they deal with it. You know? It's like they take something you did, they put it away, and they stick it in the fridge. It's like, yeah, you come, come home on Christmas, and you find something from Thanksgiving, you open it up, like, whoa, 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 what was that? And this is how they deal with conflict. They just put it away, put it away, put it away. You're happily married for two years, and all of a sudden, you know, you say one thing wrong, and boom, from the honeymoon till now, they got stuff. You want to know that. And guess what? You've got to date them for a while to find out if it's Tupperware style. You've got to date for a while to figure that out. Maybe it's flu style. Flu style is not a fun one. Flu style, they just, they, they gurgle and they get more and more angry until finally they just explode. And blah! they just puke all over you. <laughs> they, they blame you for everything. They blame everyone else for everything. Everything is somebody else's problem and fault. Mostly you. And after they're done puking, they feel great. They feel a whole lot better. But you're left to clean up the mess every single time. You want to know this stuff before you get married. And guess where you don't figure this stuff out? In the back seat. You figure this out when you go around and check out the junk in the trunk. See, I'll tell you something. All conflict in marriage is a result of PMS. Power, money, and sex. What were you thinking? (laughs) Come on, people. Get your minds out the gutter. Power. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Do they have authority issues? Or is he an umbrella fella? Or is he just one of those guys who who has issues with everybody in authority? You know, people are the same in value, but different in function. Men and women have different functions. And if they don't understand that, you're going to have some trouble. Men, they use power and they tend to dominate. Women use power and tend to manipulate. Yeah, you're the head, but I'll be the neck. <laughs> I got something you want if you've got something I want, you know. They will, they will use things to manipulate when they, when they don't understand authority. You want to know that stuff beforehand. Money, free spender. Woo, let's go shopping. We did yesterday. Yeah, let's go shopping versus the saver. Hey, well, there's a penny, woo, I bet you I can make 0.05% interest over 10-15 years. That's gonna be two pennies! Don't you touch my pennies? You can have these two people, and they usually end up marrying each other. His money, her money, our money, God's money. They have a whole different idea of what's a good deal. Five hundred dollars for an aquarium is a good deal. Two hundred dollars for a pair of jeans is a good deal. And it just goes on. Money. How do they handle it? Do you know that? Money is actually number four on the list of reasons why divorce happens. They argue about money and that's, that's more than infidelity. They get divorced more because of money than they do for cheating. Crazy. What about sex? You're all revved up. Vroom, vroom. The other one? Yee, yee, yee. <laughs> yee, yee, yee. <laughs> what, what, what do you do then? I'm sure that never happens to you, but guess what? The Bible talks about that kind of stuff. What? (laughs) Really? Yes, it talks about it. No pictures, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it says this. Tanya, God's not embarrassed. It's not nearly as much as you might be right now. It says this the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. It says don't deprive one another. It's not saying you can't say no. You can say no, but it's no with an appointment. Yeah, babe, not tonight, but tomorrow. So you can pray. And I know some of... I, I, I know. I know. But it's saying, don't... It's married couples. You've got to have sex regularly. I'm just saying. Because otherwise you give the enemy... You give the enemy a foothold in your life if you're like putting your spouse on a sexual diet. You're not going to like what happens from that. And I'm sorry if I just gave... Some of the spouses another excuse. Honey, you got a headache? No, but I'm going to pray tonight, you know? (laughs) You know what? We got to get the sex thing right in marriage because it's amazing and it's supposed to be. You know what? Vroom, vroom works a whole lot better in marriage when it's under agape principles. When it's understanding that agape is others' focus. Husbands, it's your job to fulfill her needs for romance. That's your job. Wives, it's your job to fulfill his needs. You know, sometimes, it's what the Bible says. Sometimes I tell Beth, I'm like, Beth, you know, honey, I don't like this any better than you do, but God said I'm supposed (laughs) to be fulfilling your needs, right? We're supposed to do this regularly. Our culture makes sex out to be something it isn't. They talk about it as being, you know, casual. Oh, it's harmless. Everybody's doing it. It's all about you. As long as you feel good about it, it's all good. Wrong, 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 wrong. They never tell you the price you pay for that kind. But then the church is on the other side. We, we make sex this taboo subject. Don't, don't talk about that in church. It's dirty. It's unmentionable. We're not going to talk about it. Well, I'm so tired of doing marriage counseling with people who, who have so many issues that could just be cleared up if they realize that God invented it. He's not embarrassed about it. He knows the best way for sex to happen in your lives, and it's in a committed marriage. So we need to be talking about this kind of stuff. God didn't say, don't do it. He actually says the opposite. Do it. Do it a lot, but wait until you say, I do. We talked about that before. The enemy's greatest objective is to keep, you know, uh, or to keep married or unmarried people in bed as much as possible and married people out of bed as much as possible. I, I want Kingsway to be the opposite. I don't want testimonies next Sunday, but I want to be the opposite. <laughs> Number five thing defective daters do is they ignore dashboard Warning lights. You know those warning lights that come on in your car. They tell you that something is wrong with your vehicle. Our cars are pretty smart. They actually, you know, they're telling us what's wrong. And if you watch the person you're dating long enough, they will begin to tell you some of the things that are wrong in your life, in their lives. And they're just little. They're little things, but guess what? Those little warning lights indicate potentially huge problems. I I know a guy, he had the engine light going on in his truck all the time. And he's like, oh, I'm so frustrated with it. And I would drive his truck periodically then one day, and I knew about this engine light, and I'd tell him, yeah, the engine light's going, yeah, 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 that engine light, that engine light. Well, then one day, I got into the vehicle, and there's a piece of electrical, black electrical tape over the engine light. He just didn't want to see it anymore. But how many of you know, that's craziness. You drive a vehicle around with the engine light on, and just ignore it. But we do that dating. The low fuel light comes on in my vehicle a lot. You know, I get in the van, psh, oh, man, there it is again. Beth thinks it's illegal for women to pump gas in this country. So... <laughs> I, I, I have to go and fill up this gas tank all the time. But how crazy am I if I just decide I'm just going to keep on driving, see how far it'll go. No, I got to make sure that if the light is going, it's telling me there's a problem. What are some of the lights that we ignore? The character light. Number one, the char- how do you ignore the character light that's going off in the person you're interested in? Number one, you jump in the back seat. The w- best way to ignore that is to start having sex before marriage. And sex is fun. It is. Otherwise, we wouldn't do it. So I understand the temptation that's there, but God doesn't say no. He just says wait. Wait until you're a covenant relationship. Covenant relationship, meaning married, doesn't mean wait until you find the person you think you're going to marry. Doesn't wait mean wait until you're engaged, or wait until a week before marriage, or wait until the day before marriage. Wait until you're married. There is no other option. That's it. That's straight, straight set there it's you know because he understands something sex is so powerful it's so multifaceted it's spirit soul and body connecting together and that breaking that apart hurts spirit soul and body having sex outside of marriage is using it's using a god-given gift in a god-forbidden way it's taking that awesome ferrari off road yeah it'll run for a little bit it'll still sound good until it blows up and never leaves that place so we say, don't trade the rest of your future for that one little bit. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33 and 34, part of it says this, bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. I added some to the, my version that says, not the other way around. It doesn't happen. I had somebody ask me a couple of weeks ago, hey, I got a girlfriend, or I'm thinking about this girl, and he's like, what if I date her? She's not, and I'm like, is she a believer? Well, not yet, but you know, I'm, I'm hoping she's going to be. I'm like, there's no flirt and convert chapter in this manual. It, it just, it's not there. Well, I'm just going to help take them up to a whole new level. Let me show you how good that works. That'd be like me pulling this guy up. Don't help me. Don't, come on, come up here. Guess what? Nine times out of ten, actually probably ten out of ten, it always goes the other way around. They pull you down to the lowest common denominator of character and it affects you. Don't ignore the character light. Oh, she's just got a little drinking problem. She's got a slight drug problem, small, small, itty-witty lying problem, couple of emotional issues. She's Those little warning lights are warning you of potential engine wrecking, relationship wrecking things. If these things are consistent, you know, Holy Spirit will put them in your heart as you said, hey, God, I've given you the keys to drive. You're controlling my life. Those little things going off inside, those little red flags, those little things I'm not so sure about, pay attention to those little things because they might be micro before you get married. They're macro after you get married. They just get worse. Does a person that you're looking to marry have the character that you can live with for five or six more decades? How about the relational light? What kind of relationship history do they have? What are their friends like? Who do they hang around with? Do those, are those people God-honoring? Are they able to keep relationships going for a few years or do they always have brand new friends? Parents, you've got to be on this stuff with your kids. Find out who they're hanging around with. If they think they're dating somebody, find out who they're dating and who, who those person's friends are. you yeah, beyond got to that like a bird on a Junebug. You want to make sure you know what's going on. Like, I know it's work, but it's so worth it. What about the maintenance light? I see a guy sometimes, you know, I just can't handle a high maintenance woman. Well, I got news for you. Every woman is high maintenance. (laughs) No, 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 no. Hear me out. Hear me out. Women, you're gonna thank me for this. Every woman is high maintenance. Every relationship is high maintenance. It requires work. And when you say, I don't want high maintenance, what you're saying is, I don't want to work. I might have dressed up. I might have done everything I need to do when I was dating her to get her. But now that we're married, do I still get... Work starts when you get married. And realizing that, you know what? Realizing, yeah, there's maintenance things that I'm going to have to be a part of. Now, if she's high, high maintenance, look out. Don't, don't, just, just stop now. Don't keep going down that road. You know, if, and who are, what do the high, high maintenance people look like? They look like this. She looks at you and thinks, Dada. <laughs> he looks at you and thinks, Mama. She's your wife, not your mama. And if, if, if you marry somebody who thinks you're going to be the mama, it means you're going to be cleaning up after him, cooking everything for him, doing everything for him. And, and he's going to be, take, 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 and take some more. Because that's what moms are great at doing. That sucks being married to someone like that. That kind of high-maintenance you don't want. Maybe they're very needy. Maybe they're always phoning you. Hey, where are you at? And it's not because they're concerned and want to just hang out with you. They're, they think you're doing something. Like, where? somebody knocking? Oh, good. Where, where, where are you at? You know, if, they, if they're like phoning every 15, 20 minutes, if they're tracking your iPhone with this app, you know, whatever, find my phone. If they're, if they're, they're always concerned, that's just going to get worse. What about the church light? What? Church? What do you mean? That's important? Everything to do with church is so important. Church isn't the building or it's the family though. And what are you doing uh, with, this, with this person as far as their church life goes? Do they, do they, are they regularly attending somewhere? Are they connected somewhere? Are they serving somewhere? Or are they just church hop? You know, there's one of the things where for singles, that's Christian bar hopping is just go from church to church to church, find out what the next one has to offer. They never ever get really connected in a place it's so, our lives are meant to be wrapped around this family and what he wants for us individually and our immediate families and this family. Our lives, not just Sunday mornings, but our lives. This is what he's designed to win this world. And if they're not committed to that and you are, you need to decide that stuff before you get married. Henry's not here, I have no idea. Rats, how is this possible? All right. I'm going to go real quick. You got five minutes? Last ones. Number six, defective daters do this. They ignore warning lights, but they also ignore road signs. This first road sign I want to show you is for all the singles out there that are thinking about dating or in a dating relationship slow. I know it just makes you want to cheer, right? Yeah! Go slow and get to know. Go slow, 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 and get to know them. You know, oh, I've dated them for another month. Good, that's another month that you get to find out what their character is like. Find out if they've got junk in the trunk. Find out who's driving their car. Find out these important things. The next one is a little bit tougher. and Maybe you need some courage if you feel like you're seeing this sign in your relationship. Stop. J- just stop. If you're married, this sign is not for you, okay? <laughs> if you're dating and you've seen... That they've got all kinds of these things going on in their life and you just feel like, whoa, red flag, red flag, red flag, red sign, red sign. Stop, stop, stop. Don't roll through the stop sign. That's how people get killed. Don't keep going and say, oh, it'll just get better after we get married. It won't. Stop. Oh, you have no idea how far I'm in. I don't care if you're getting married next Saturday. If it's one of these relationships, stop now. Just stop. You will, it might not feel better right away. Down the road, you will have saved yourself. Stop. Third one, yield. Yieldful. I, I just, I like the, even the way that sign is designed. Just kind of pointing up. God, I yield to you. I'm yielding to your ways. I'm going to do dating your way and expect that it's going to turn out right. Because it does. Yielding and then doing what he says. If you don't follow those three signs, you might end up marrying somebody just for the reason of this next sign. And those curves are nice, but they don't last. Those curves are dangerous. Don't get stuck marrying somebody just because of the curves. Proverbs 15.22 says this, plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Not just this one course, this one series, but this one time that we're looking at this kind of stuff. Get yourself some resources on dating. Buy the book, Rating Your Dating While Waiting for Mating, and read through it. Get some things on, on marriage. You know what? It's, not, it's so important. Seek biblical counsel, not just a counselor, not somebody who's like going to say, I was talking to somebody this morning, the couple said, when we got married, we asked our pastor, hey, what about sex? How does that work? We know how it works, but how does it work right? You know, and, and he says, oh, turned bright red and said, let's talk about your processional. You want somebody who's going to talk to you about the things that that mattered to you you want somebody to say hey this is what the word says it's got to be somebody that says what the word says and then you know what get biblical counsel after you get married we spend all the money and time trying to get good at things that we don't need to be good at golf we don't really need to be good at golf i mean it's good if you are but some some have natural talent they don't need to spend any money sam bunting is amazing but I'm saying if you're spending, we spend money on this kind of stuff. We spend money and trying to get better financially. We spend time and effort and money on different things, just trying to get better at those things. And then when it comes to marriage, we don't want to do nothing with it. But it says invest time and money in your marriage. Every marriage needs marriage maintenance. Take our marriage course when it comes around. Not because you've got such a bad marriage, because you're smart and said, hey, I know I want to invest in my marriage to make it even better. Your marriage is worth spending some time and effort and resources on get resources for it let it rock let it rock and roll like that ferrari at the beginning where you can look at your wife and go astonishing that we're married and enjoying it sensational this life we get to enjoy together amazing marriage god thanks for inventing marriage this is the best thing that ever happened to me or you can wreck your call let's pray god thanks for your word thanks for the topics that we can that you put in the word that we that just help us to live life right Father I pray for every person that had uh, just things going off on the inside of them today that Holy Spirit you would continue to do the work in them it's not me it's you I just pray you give them courage to make the right decisions with this that that they'll reap the benefits of it down the road Father thank you so much for uh, inventing marriage for inventing sex for inventing relationship it is what makes this world uh, and, and our marriage is amazing And we just thank you for that I Believe for the best, your best God, I pray over everyone as they leave this place That you bless them and cause them to be a blessing to the people around them May they be able to take what they're learning And share it with their world uh, We might see change We might see uh, a better future than the past we've seen in the, uh, Before Thank you Lord for that, it's in your name we pray Amen Alright, I know we went a little bit over Thank you for humoring me um, You have You uh, have You've got uh, probably coffee and tea and scrumpets at the back. Please stay around, hang out, enjoy it. Uh, if you'd like prayer for anything, you can come up to the front. We have some people who'd love to pray with you. If you've got questions for me, love to chat. We'll see you at the courses this week. Have a good one.